This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello. And welcome to Line Dance Podcast with... Megan Barcelia. And Christopher Gonzalez. Today we are reflecting upon the event Florida Line Dance Classic 2020, featuring instructors such as Rachel McEnany White, Darren Bailey, Scott Blevins, Jamie Marshall, the Jamie Marshall, uh, John Robinson, Christopher Gonzalez, that's myself, uh, Trevor Thornton, Larry Bass, Dustin Betts, Rob Holly, and DJ JP Potter. Uh, minus substitution, Scott Blevins was not instructing this year, although he was originally slated to. Uh, Britt Bester. Beresic. Beresic, sorry, Britt. Um, actually filled in for that teaching slot. Yep. Yeah, this is just uh, the information that's on the website. Thursday was the first day of the event. Would you like to take us through our Thursday from the flight onward? Um, we actually had a pretty early start considering our flight left at 6 a.m. And we have a minimum of an hour and I'm going to say 20 minutes roughly drive just to get to an area close to the airport to then Uber. So we, we left pretty early. Uh, pretty excited, pretty unsure of what was going on and what was going to happen considering everything had been shut down pretty much since March and this is the first event to happen. Uh, I, I would definitely say I was anticipating the good time. I packed my heavy duty mask. I had actually purchased a respirator, a 3M respirator on Amazon and this was going to be the first event at which I danced while wearing it. I had tested it briefly once at my senior line dance class just to see if it would fog up my glasses or make me feel like I needed to take it off and breathe more deeply. Uh, and it seemed to do to do okay there, so I packed it for this trip. And I think I may have worn it while we were on our Uber slash Lyft ride there. And we actually have a decent system uh, for anybody who's listened to these episodes before. We uh, typically will just park in a residential neighborhood with which I am very familiar, having lived there for 18 years of my life, and then just take an Uber from there to the airport because airport parking is expensive. We used to have a different system that we used a little more often where we would park at the Bay Area Rapid Transit parking lot and then take that train the rest of the way to the uh, the airport. However, uh, that can also be expensive. It's It's extra expensive to take that train to the airport and then you also have, you also have parking on top of that so it actually ends up being cheaper for our newest system yeah and and there are fewer eyes on the car which i like uh, at, at, at the uh, parking spot that we use you have all these neighbors looking at their own cars walking by your car every day so they generally know if anything is amiss whereas if you live in a parking garage you just have the, the cameras catch something because, you know, everything there is so impersonal and unattended. So, yeah, this was yet another one of those late night, hey, how long you've been doing Uber for? You know, just kind of warming up to the day um, interactions. Yeah. Um, so we got to SFO and it was a ghost town. One, it was very early in the morning, so that's pretty normal but also with the fact that there has been quite the shutdown of many a things 
it was interesting to see just how much of a ghost town it was. I think we made it through security in less than a total of 10 minutes, both of us. Oh, go ahead. Um, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, and I, I remember um, the whole TSA process being a little different. It was way more hands-off, and there was a conveyor belt system uh for carrying your things so that like there was as little touching of things and people as possible and i remember it kind of reminded me of like one of those sushi cafeteria style belts where you can watch everything as it's going by and i it just made me wonder how how much longer will they uh, or do they anticipate using the system for and are they going to go back or are they just going to kind of keep it this way from now on yeah, I remember they had a very large bin to put everything in, including your carry-on suitcase, which in the past has not been the case. The suitcase, you just put it on the rollers and you slide it through um, the machine. But this time, everything went in the actual suitcase. I remember I accidentally forgot to take off my knee brace, so I was stopped so that I could show them my knee brace. But other than that... I made it through security in probably the least amount of time ever. So that was that was nice. I think I was stopped at security for my baked potatoes. Yeah, I I usually, if anything, will be pulled aside uh, for the Zoom recorder that we use. uh, I think Zoom H4N recorder, not related to the video conferencing uh, Zoom, but this is just its own thing. Um, It looks a little like a stun gun. So I can understand people's hesitation about that. That's why I, now I put it on the, uh, an outside pocket or I'll just take it out of the bag completely where people can quickly see that I'm no threat to the airline or the people in it. Um, however, this time, because I wrapped the baked potatoes in aluminum foil, uh, they probably looked a little like grenades or just like shady large chunks of some mystery substance inside of metal. Uh, so, yeah, that one I totally understood, but it ended up being fine. Yeah. Um, we made it onto our flight with plenty of time to spare, which is nice. Um, we had our one layover, and they put us on a very large plane, which I was kind of surprised at. That was very full because the last I had heard about any kind of traveling, they were doing, like, the no middle seat and, like, doing a, a certain capacity limit and here we are on one of the larger planes where there's like four on each side and then a giant middle with like five or six people in the center um, but at the same time you know they were requiring everyone to be in masks and they did a really good job of uh, only so many people at a time getting on the plane and sitting down uh, so, you know, it, it was interesting. And then I've, I've also heard that they've done a, a study on their filtration system and their filtration system is supposed to be pretty good. So I wasn't too concerned. Yeah, I, I do think it was kind of funny how at SFO, especially, you know, being Bay Area, they're very conscious of all, all just so many things. Uh, they were, were um, requesting that people socially distance while waiting to board the plane. So six six feet between chairs and then don't sit too close to people across from you. All of their usual furniture setups were also spaced out. So if there, if there used to be uh, a table with three chairs 
surrounding it, facing it, you know, maybe that chunk, that little cell would be separated from the next one, which used to be closer to it. And then you get on a plane and you're like two feet away from some stranger who may or may not want to wear that person's mask that day. Uh, so, you know, you just stay safe as long as you can before you're crammed in with strangers. Um, I know that they handed us little prepackaged baggies of like a water and, you know, the little snack treat. Sometimes it's a cookie. Sometimes it's pretzels. Sometimes it's peanuts. You, know, you never know. Um, and like a hand sanitizer wipe. So I thought that was that was probably smart on their part to just have everything already pre-bagged. I wonder whether this was the flight where I watched Knives Out. I had heard about it before. I think this might have been the one where I watched it because I think when we flew back, there was no uh, TV screen in front of us, so there would have been nothing to watch. We just kind of faced a wall. We were so far up to the front. But for this flight, I do remember watching a movie, and I'm pretty sure that was when I watched Knives Out. That would be correct because on the flight home, we were in the first row of first class. Yep. We'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, all right. Well, I guess from the flight, that then takes us to Orlando. Yeah, we landed. Um, we had actually a pretty adequate amount of time to go once we landed and got on the bus. I think we were, yeah, we ran into Darren on the bus. So we got to catch up with Darren Bailey. That was nice. So we got on the little bus to the, to the hotel. We all checked into our perspective hotel rooms. You went up to yours. I went up to mine. Uh, we got ready. I had a little bit more time to get ready than you did because you had a call time. Yes. Uh, registration desk opened at 5.30 p.m. And show practice was at 6.00. So it was very hit the ground running. I think I spent a little bit of time up in the room just getting a little situated, setting down my suitcase. I, I ended up rooming, uh, rooming with John Robinson again, uh, which was lucky because I just enjoy having John as uh, my roommate. Um, we kind of have a, a yeah, uh, more or less like a, we, we understand, uh, you know, where everything goes and I don't know. It's just familiar. I like that. I like that familiarity, not not having to relearn you know, a new person all over again, especially when you have the time crunch of rush off down to the ballroom for show practice at six. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I took my time getting ready because I didn't have to be down right that second. Um, open dance did start at 730. So I did go down to check in before open dance and to catch up with a few people that I haven't seen in a year. So that was nice. And then there was open dance the first night, which I personally bounced back and forth between the two rooms. But mostly what it comes down to is every single day you checked in, you had your temperature taken, and then you got like a wristband for that day saying that you got your temperature checked and you're still good. You had to wear your mask in the lobby area of the hotel. And then when you walked into the ballroom, the ballroom was split into two with stanchions down the center of the dance floor. And it was very specifically spaced that, you know, there was like no more than like three chairs in one given section before there was a gap and then another three chairs and a gap. And that I thought was really well done. Um, it was very clearly lined out that 
if you went over to this side over here, you could take off your mask if you still remained, you know, socially distant and respectful. And on this side, you had to wear your mask over your nose at all times. Um, and I thought that was really cool that Jen provided a safe opportunity for both people that we got to choose what we were doing. And Jen Cameron is the event director of this event. Yeah. So I wasn't sure how that was going to work. Um, my thoughts towards JP Potter definitely were a little on the sympathetic side because he couldn't take regular requests the way we're used to giving them, which is here's a pen, write it down at the DJ booth because we're not going to be sharing pens where that, you know, invites people to just cluster in an area. And so he actually had a text messaging system. So he had to navigate through all those text messages as a request and then put together a list while also DJing music. So um, mad props to him for that and figuring it out. I thought overall the first night was pretty successful for most of us not dancing together for at least nine months plus since the last event. Um, yes, we have obviously had our virtual things, but you know, re-navigating a floor and an actual dance floor versus your carpet or kitchen linoleum or it's definitely different. Um, as well as what does everybody know? That's the big question. It's like, okay, do I play it safe and just be like, well, these were the popular ones before we went into lockdown or do I throw out some of the new ones? So I thought he did a really good job of uh, navigating that uncharted territory. So overall, I think the first night was a pretty big success, at least in the main ballroom I could speak to. You, however, have a little bit different perspective because you were in the beginner ballroom. That's true. I was asked to DJ in the uh, beginner slash all request room. And fortunately, I did have my computer with me with all of my music. So I was able to do that. And I didn't make it into the main ballroom or grand ballroom, intermediate ballroom, whatever you want to call it, uh, for many, many hours. I think the first night especially, I really stretched it out. We we were going until past midnight because you know, people were excited. It was the first first night of the event, and I didn't want to stop them. If, as long as they wanted to stay and dance, I would keep playing music. After that point, I started closing it down at, I think, midnight. Uh, that way everyone would just merge over into the main ballroom. But at least for the first night, as I recall, we went overtime uh, into probably one or two something a.m. And this was pretty close to right after we did demos because I don't think I was DJing before demos. Uh, so I must have been in the main ballroom just long enough to do open dance. But then we did uh, Friday previews or Friday demos um, at, according to this around 9, 9 p.m. So I, I guess I must have started DJing after that. It's possible that I DJed before then, but I don't. It makes sense that you would you would do it after yeah. demos just simply because I mean, although technically open dance started before that, you also had show practice. So, I mean, you might have, but it might have just also not been open yet because they had a lot of introduction stuff too. Um, 
in the sense of like here's here's kind of the rules of what we're going to be doing and here's the outline of everything was this the night that we did hello dolly or was that one of the other nights this was the night we did hello dolly because of the obvious reasons that lorraine had very recently passed and we wanted to honor her in our own dance family line dance family kind of way and lorraine Cretella is the choreographer of the dance hello dolly which we have come to know as being one of those pre-show saturday night dances mostly at events i mean i can't think of any event i've seen it done at uh, in this way other than where louis st george or jp potter are djing but uh one pattern you might pick up on if you go to enough of these events is that before the show, there will be a warm-up of something like Mama Maria, American Kids, uh, maybe a couple other standard beginner dances, cruising, Dizzy, and Hello Dolly really kind of gets the energy up and puts that big show feel into your body. Uh, so then you're ready when the show does happen on Saturday night. Yeah. So for at, for the previews, um basically right now the schedule is up on the website as well if you all wanted to go ahead and check that out but tip in typical true fashion um there is a early morning class roughly from 9 a.m to 10 and that was offered for dance fitness with jamie marshall from the 10 to 11 slot you have larry bass and he taught goodbye yellow brick road then you had Darren Bailey with Foolish, which I was honored enough to be able to demo that one. Um, I have a feeling that that one is going to stick as one of my favorites for a while. And Rob Holly taught Weekend Ruined and Temporary Love. The 11 to 12 o'clock hour, you had Christopher Gonzalez with none other Bay Area classic, Fly Like a Bird. I certainly was out there for that one. I love that one. That one is rich with history from our area. Did, Say, oh, go ahead. Did Rachel demo that with us? Of course she did because she's an awesome, awesome dancer that loves all these classics. It's actually fun each time you bring a classic with you and Rachel's at the event because it's fun to see them get excited for remembering this dance. Um, Jamie Marshall, that same hour, did Roy and Fiona along with Cody Flowers Everybody Get Nuts, and John Robinson with Standing Tall. Um, the 12 to 1 o'clock started the USLDCC choreography. Um, this it was the finals, so that was kind of a big deal. Um, I do know I was in the choreography room to watch what was going on for all the days that it was done. Uh, but from the 1 to 2 o'clock hour, Dustin Bet Betts taught Checklist, and Larry Bass taught For a Moment There, and Senoritas. 2 to 3 o'clock, John Robinson, All the Feels, Rachel McEnany-White, Keeping Me Alive, Darren Bailing with a double for Just Keep Fallen, and Sundown Swing, uh, and I keep doing this. Britt Beserick. Beresick. Beresick. See, I told you. Uh, Rock the Cash Bar uh, from the 3 to 4 o'clock hour. Trevor Thornton did Cyber Remix, which I have been obsessed with that dance since 
you and I learned it. So I was definitely out there to demo that. And then you also did Going Places and Crawfish Pie, which I was I was out there for going places, but unfortunately it had been a while for me for crawfish pie. So I chose to so graciously not attempt to relearn that on the floor during demos. Uh, Four to five o'clock, there was a stated open dance, but Jamie Marshall did her five beginner dances in 50 minutes. And then the following night, we also had previews for Saturday and Sunday starting at 5 or 6 o'clock for the next day. But we'll get into that later. Um, But yeah, that was basically the list for Friday. And with that, um, I did know a good chunk of them to begin with. Like I said, I was in watching the uh, competitors for the USLDCC starting at noon and that went till about two or a little bit before and then there was open dance playing um i i I will honestly admit it it's a little rough for me with the time change so i always tend to try and find something to eat midday and start to get a little tired because that you know two to three o'clock is typically roughly around the time i start thinking about lunch back home so I definitely looked for something to eat at that point. Was this one of the days that we had the breakfast oats or was that the next day or both days? We had breakfast oats both days. So because of our wonderful new dietary choices, um, we are rather limited on what's readily available for quick grabbing snacks. So you were so graciously to actually pack, like you said, the baked potatoes as well as some oats that we can make in the room so we could have oatmeal. Um, I think you also brought some like protein powder stuff to drink for your breakfast meals. Uh, I ended up getting, I think, a chai tea from the, the coffee shop that was downstairs that was only open for a short amount of time. But other than that, yeah. Uh- So that, looking at the schedule, that must mean that my day started with Fly Like a Bird. Yeah. And that was from 11 to 12. Uh, I I remember this being in a side room and encouraging them to, woo! Uh, Because I think in the step sheet it does mention something along those lines when you do the big slide at the end. So every once in a while, if the music calls to you, it, it is appropriate to give it a woo uh, for the big slide. I was also there with you for the USLDCC choreography preliminaries. I was asked to MC for that. And in between judges' scores, I read a list of fun facts about Florida. They may have all been facts. Who knows? I pulled up that list pretty much when this whole thing started, when the, when the competition started. So I didn't vet any of it. But it was fun reading down the line and uh, kind of doing as the Jamie Marshall would do. Uh, Just Keep Fallen. That song I had on some list, and I'm still maybe less obsessed with it than when I was just playing it on loop. Uh, But even if there is some intermediate or advanced or whatever other dance to it at this point, uh, I have... 
imprinted, at least in my fondness for the dance, upon Darren's Just Keep Fallen. I didn't take the lesson, but I remember it being exciting to see the demo. Um, lock the, or lock the, Rock the Casbah I like because, or at least uh, the song uh, has stuck with me since my days of... Um, browsing the YTMND or You're the Man Now Dog website back in like the mid-2000s, if there are any OG interneters out there with me. Um, one of the YTMND sites that was created was a picture of the taskbar on a computer, uh, which is, you know, in the bottom. And then just the loop of the song playing in the background, Rock the Casbah. But, you know, if you if you aren't looking at the words Rock the Casbah, it kind of does sound like they're saying, lock the task bar, lock the task bar. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Britt taught that one. I'm glad she had an opportunity to teach as well. She's just a, a charming individual, and we're very happy to have her in the dance community. Uh, Cyber Remix, I did not get out there and demo with you. There were a lot of people out there for that. So I just kind of stuck on the side over by the DJ booth and danced it on my own with you guys remotely. Well, to be fair, you had to be ready to actually demo what you were teaching next. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that was immediately after Cyber Remix. I'm glad that I was not sweaty and out of breath for, for Going Places and Crawfish Pie. Uh, going Places, I still, I, 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 I don't want to say I explain it to people, but I, I like the title for it because they talk about travel. It's, it's the song American Boy by Estelle featuring Kanye West. And, you know, they talk, they talk about all these cool places that they want to go in, in the world. So the, dances going places but also i had this idea that maybe somewhere somebody would say hey what dance is this and the instructor would say this dance is going places <laughs> and i just enjoy that so if you teach that dance hopefully there will be uh, an excuse to squeeze that in conversation with your students crawfish pie i was glad to have out there representing with mr norm gifford we choreographed that one at uh, vegas dance explosion before uh, these large events were getting canceled left and right. And it was nice to be able to teach it at a large event such as Florida Line Dance Classic. Um, I am looking further down here and I see open dancing. I'm sure show practice happened at some point. I am sure. Uh, and there were previews from 5 to 6 p.m. Uh, after that, for dinner break and, and open dance and all that, Again, for for open dance, I was DJing in the beginner room, so I, I wouldn't have as much to say on Friday night dancing. Yeah, I'm sure it that your show practice was immediately following demos. That's typically how it happens, and then you guys tend to not get uh, much opportunity. Well, let me rephrase that. There was not a lot of time before the ending of show practice and the beginning of open dance. So you who like to be in the moment open dance starts do, don't have a whole lot of opportunity of time to waste. Um, this was the night that I ended up ordering us Chipotle because uh, Brie was making a food run real quick. So I had offered to pay if she would fly. So that was nice enough. All right. So I guess all that remains to talk about on Friday was the chunk of time known as demos or previews. So I'll pass the mic back over to you if you'd like to look at uh, the Saturday dances we demoed and Sunday. Absolutely. Okay. So 
It starts off with a 9 to 10 a.m. with the wonderful Jamie Marshall, Dance Fitness. Dustin's, Dustin Betts started off with his Call My Bluff at 10 a.m., where there was also apparently open dancing in the main ballroom. And John Robinson was teaching Poor Decisions. Uh, followed by the 11 to 12 o'clock, John gets to run to a different room to teach Tailgate Angel. Lucky him. Darren Bailey has Feels Like Carolina. Now, I was actually really, really upset that I was not down there for this teach because of how tired I was, apparently, the night before. Um, you had Mr. Rob Holly teaching My American Heartbreaker and Thirsty at the 12 to 1 hour you have larry bass when a woman cries you also had the pro am competition and then trevor thornton actually taught little bit which was one of kelly cavallero's dances from 1 to 2 p.m brit taught 2020 while you were teaching one of my all-time favorites of the year hands down love this dance cannot praise it enough by mr simon ward validation um brilliant dance so i was definitely out there to demo that with you uh you were also teaching or also teaching that hour was rachel mcinney white with drink drank drunk Two to three, you had Trevor Thornton back at, with Broke No More. Rachel was teaching do do which I certainly, I think both of us were out there to demo that one. Uh, Jamie Marshall was OMG, What's Happening, and Lifer. Then three to four p.m., you had John Robinson with Cloud Nine, Darren Bailey with Gold, Mr. Christopher Gonzalez with Begging Like Mad, and This Is The Way. Four to five, you had Trevor Thornton, Be Like That. There was also a slot for open dancing that day. And Britt was out there with Love Ain't and Crystal Touch. Now, Love Ain't, I was certainly out there because it was a Darren dance that I have taught many a times. And she had actually brought the step sheet and took a minute for me the day prior to teach me Crystal Touch so that I can go out there and join her. And then to close up the day from the five or six hour, Christopher Gonzalez taught Colors. Then obviously they closed down for dinner ballroom setup, uh, which was quite fun and unique in the way it happened. So uh, I very much enjoyed that one. All um, right. Well, that takes us then to the actual Saturday day and uh, what we did in it. So on Friday night, uh, we had you know the beginner dancing in the beginner room, which closed to 12, open dancing in the main ballroom, and we went to sleep and... I, I remember going to sleep late on Friday and Saturday. Go ahead. We very much went to sleep late on Friday because we had to make sure to stay up till 3 a.m. Florida time because we are kind of Mandalorian fanatics and we didn't want to miss the episode. Yes. Um, there was one of these nights, I believe, when we were chatting with JP for a very long period of time as well. And I wonder whether I wrote that on any of the playlists I feel like that was Saturday because we would have watched, well, no, Thursday into Friday would have been Mandalorian. So maybe it was Friday that we were up with JP. 
Saturday, I'm looking at this morning section, be like, nope, didn't do that. Didn't go to that one. I completely missed that one. And my day starts at one. <laughs> I did not MC the Pro-Am competition, uh, to my recollection. Uh, so that means my first teach of the day would have been 1 p.m. with validation. At some point, we must have done breakfast oats, but I don't know when exactly that would have been. Just sometime in the morning. Uh, then, let's see, I didn't do the next hour, so I was somewhere, somewhere around. Maybe I went up to the room, who knows? And I taught Begging Like Mad, and this is the way. Um, Begging Like Mad took a long time uh, as far as coming up for the title of that one, because Joey Warren already has an intermediate dance called Begging, and there are a few other dances out there, at least at least one other one to this song, and I, I like the three-word rule. Informally, we've talked in previous episodes about how it's a good idea to have a three-word title, like uh, Chase That Dollar, Just a Phase. Um, what's that other one? The uh, da, 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 uh, Anyone on Earth? Heaven on Earth. Um, so even if the song is a one-word title, you can, you can extend that to three words because three words are easier to remember. A single word can get diluted. A bunch of other songs can be given that same name. But uh, if, you, if you have three words, it'll stick. But if you make it too long, and people will start abbreviating, and then it's not really that title anymore. So I thought, you know, three words would be good if we could make that happen. The, the artist of this song, Began, is Madcon. And... There were other little three-word phrases in the song that I just I played with in my head, and they didn't quite work. They didn't scream like, oh, yeah, that's totally this dance. If you say these three words, I'm going to think that dance. And eventually, Begging Like Mad stood out as one that, that felt right enough. Secretly, in my head, I still think of it as Begging. But like I said, Joey Warren already has a dance called Begging. I was not about to make it confusing and give it that same name. So on the sheet, begging like mad, it kind of makes sense because the person in the song is begging like mad for a second chance at this relationship. Uh, this is the way, as you mentioned, is a reference to The Mandalorian. And the song is, uh, is this the way to Amarillo by, I believe, Tony Christie? That sounds right. Um, and there are already dances uh, called like Amarillo or... Um, is this the way to Amarillo? And I think there might even be ones that are like, is this the way or show me the way. But after all of the watching of Mandalorian we've done over the last two Decembers, it had to be, this is the way. Once that popped up as an option, like, oh, it's too perfect. And then it answers the question in the title of the song. Is this the way to Amarillo? This is the way. So there you go. Uh, colors. I was very happy to represent in a major event, uh, being a Florida line dance classic as this was one of the dances choreographed during lockdown virtually with Roy Verdonk and Nadja van den Aden. And apparently people like this dance in places of the world where I have not been. Uh, so I thought, well, I mean, if I teach it, maybe a couple of people will like it and maybe a couple of people already know it. So uh, I gave it a shot. Some people, as it turns out, were indeed reviewing it since they had learned it online. Roy Verdonk himself has uh, taught it online. I don't know if I've seen Nadia teach it, but uh, this would be my inaugural teach of it 
at a real life in-person event. And I think we've talked before about how Scott said, Scott Blevins has said that, you know, it used to be you'd teach a dance for a whole year. You would tour it around. And then after it's had a good solid year, then maybe start looking at new dances and not just the like next month, new dances next month after that new dances. Cause then nothing can stick. Nothing can circulate and permeate through the line dance culture enough for it to be a dance that is done at line dance events. And I could definitely see myself teaching colors again somewhere. There are other dances, as I mentioned, uh, the other one, uh, the one with Norm crawfish pie that, you know, we had choreographed a while back and I may have taught that already at some point in 2020. So who knows? Maybe if, if it comes up, I'll teach it again in 2021 colors. I definitely see myself teaching again. It has not been a full year and I enjoy that song and some of the little quirky bits in that dance. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you see me at an, an event coming up, I hope that we will be dancing colors together. And that was the last uh, dance teach of the day. So I believe right after that, we had show practice during which you would have had a dinner break. So the day for me looked a little bit different. I was in your teach in the back because I wanted any possible excuse to dance validation. So I was in the back dancing that with you. Um, right after that, however, I had the privilege of getting taught one of the competition dances. Uh, Mr. Chris, he, um, uh, yeah, Chris Shock, um, he had asked me if I would be willing to learn and demo, wait for it. Uh, in the final dance that that night during the show and during the final judging competition and of course being a Hamilton song being Chris like he has such an interesting ear when it comes to music and steps I jumped at the opportunity to be one of the first people to learn this dance so I spent a little bit of time right out front at Seven Arrow Media's uh, booth uh, while he was teaching me. And I am so grateful for that memory. And I am looking forward to seeing that dance at more dance events now that it's out there. And so I am really, really hoping to see like that, that one go far because that, that was quite a treat. Um, other than that, I really didn't take many other lessons that day because I was certainly worried about getting mine confused. But I had randomly been asked if I had my DJ equipment real quick to set up for open dance in the beginner ballroom. But unfortunately, both you and JP had show practice, so that's why they had asked me. And of course, I had set up. Um, there's a few people that came in and danced one or two songs, but then because we needed to close the main ballroom so they can set up dinner with the tables, they moved show practice into what we know as the beginner room. So then we closed that down and yeah. And then you guys did your show practice and we got ready for dinner, uh, which was a lot of fun. I liked that they had little tables, no more than two people at a table. And up on stage, they had like a banquet style where all the instructors got to sit facing into or onto the floor 
and we and we as attendees were all facing up towards the I wanted to say the judges the instructors <laughs> um, in which we got to partake in a fun game of five fun facts for your each individual instructor and we were supposed to guess who we thought those were um I do have to say I had an advantage over five of the facts for sure but that's okay um I liked guessing who else uh was some of the one I liked hearing what the the fun fact was and then trying to figure out who who belonged to that particular fact so that was enjoyable um, they did have a vegan option, so I was grateful for that. And yeah, I just really enjoyed that night. And then from my experience, which I'll let you talk briefly about your dinner experience, um, you know, that we went back out, we clean, they cleaned up, and we pretty much, I met back up with uh, Kelly and Chris to go over his dance one last time before the uh, actual competition because I was very nervous I didn't want to mess it up and then we went in for open dancing started with some of our I like to call them icebreaker dances which are just kind of bumper music style and then we just do some of the very easy dances that can go along with those while everybody kind of got in and situated so yeah uh, one quick note I will mention because I see I didn't say much about validation, which I, I taught uh, at 1 p.m. That may have been my first main ballroom teach at one of these multi-ballroom events. Like we've taught at um, at Vegas Dance Explosion before, but it was like off on the side. And uh, I've, I think was Dancing Up a Storm one ballroom? Or was it? No, that that oh. would have been a main ballroom teach. Okay, that would have yeah, because I I taught some something there, taught a couple things there, uh, but at certainly at a JC dance event, um, this I as I recall is is my first big ballroom teach, and the reason they have these different sizes is because they can get a sense like if if Rachel's teaching something, you're probably going to need the entire floor, especially if it's an intermediate advanced dance. It's going to be in very high demand. If Scott teaches a dance. They're going to want a lot of space. And the main ballroom is usually reserved for those kind of dances. And then, you know, if you're somebody at your very first teach of, of an event, you've never been at an event before, um, they can estimate, well, I mean, maybe not as many people know who you are, or maybe you're up against like a Simon Ward with a huge full floor. So uh, they'll, they'll need a little less space for you. So then you can teach off on the side and it'll be cozy and intimate and very nice. Um, I guess they estimated that a lot of people would want to learn validation by Simon Ward. And so they, they gave me the main ballroom for that. And that was, that was a neat experience, a big floor. Uh, and, and I'm glad that we had a lot of space for safe social distancing. And it, you know, it, it, in a way, it was like, it, it, it felt, at least for me, maybe it's silly and maybe nobody else sees this and they're like, oh, well, it's just practical. It's just math. But for me, it, it felt like kind of an honor to, to get to teach on like the big kids stage where <laughs> Rachel teaches and where Roy teaches. Um, so that, that was nice. And at a, at a JC event, I certainly, you know, um, thank Jen for trusting me <laughs> uh, with that. Um, as far as the, the dinner goes, it was a lot of fun being up there on the stage while everyone else was like looking up at us eating and we were looking back down at them eating. Um, 
I didn't know the answers to a lot of the facts for all the other instructors. And I think Rachel guessed mine where I had said something about, uh, in my fact, it had to do with like plant-based options. And, and she did notice that a couple times when um, food was brought out, I would ask like, oh, do you have anything uh, maybe just more plant-based or vegan or you know, no meat, no dairy? And then you know, they would come back with something else. And I, I, hopefully they just gave that plate to somebody else who ordered something that you know had chicken and wanted chicken. Um, so I had you know, vegetables. I had fruit for dessert. And she picked up on that. So I think that was one of the ones that she got right. But other, other than that, I mean, there were definitely clues that we thought for sure would be this person, could never be that other person, and then it would be that other person. So it was a learning experience for us all. Uh, Let's see. And then, yeah, as, as you've said, I was in the beginner room. Uh, as I've said, I was in the beginner room DJing Saturday night as well as the previous couple of nights. So anything beyond that, me dancing in the main ballroom, we would have probably covered on the playlists. Any other thoughts about Saturday? Um, ultimately, Saturday is, is one of those with a lot of buzzing energy just in general. But also when it comes down to it, there was... A lot, I don't want to say nervous energy, but definitely along the lines of excited slash nervous because it was the finals. And I just want to say the shout out to all competitors at all stages of the event because I remember what it's like and I got a refresher of what it was like when I got to get on that floor with Chris for wait for it and oh my gosh I do not miss competing like I miss I miss the feedback because I loved getting the feedback I miss the camaraderie that I know we had formed with the group of people that we found ourselves competing pretty regularly with and I definitely enjoyed all of that experience and I'm grateful for going through it but oh, the nerves, I forgot about those and I am in a rush to forget about them again because I remember at one point walking up to you being like, okay, I need to ground myself real quick. And so I was able to like take a couple deep breaths and you're like, okay. And so I went back and and then we went out and yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun to be back out on that floor um, supporting a choreographer during a competition again but also my nerves were like straight through it um and then I believe the three dances were oh I cannot remember for the life of me what the Wendy's was it was like a polka I remember that much where there was a lot of traveling in it and it looked like a lot of high energy fun and I apologize for not recalling it at this moment but then you had Adia with Midnight Mess Around and that and then you had Chris with wait for it. And yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a tough competition just sitting on the sidelines watching it. It, it was hands down anybody's game. And it's the kind of thing you would expect to see at a finals competition where everybody brought their best work. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed watching that. And then there was obviously the 50-50 raffle and lots of open dancing. And I had a blast 
It was fun to be out there trying to remember any and all dances because it had been so long since I had been actually dancing, dancing. Because it's different when you dance like a handful of your favorite dances and it's then it is like at a random they're going to play this event so on to Sunday now there was some repeats for Sunday um we did demo these Friday night because Saturday Saturday would be the show um quote unquote Darren was on the schedule for a repeat teach of foolish but I'll let you explain that one um there was a co-choreography with all the USLDCC finalists uh I don't don't want wanna be sad and they taught that they performed it at the la- the show Saturday night and they taught it Sunday morning and speaking of the performance, it, it occurs to me that we didn't say much about what was in the show, so I'll just mention that the guys did a dance, a uh, little sequence for Lean On Me. The, the general theme was, like, we're going to get through this. We got tough times, but we're going to get through this. So the guys did a uh, little something for Lean On Me, showing, like, guy solidarity. And then the girls did, or the, the women, did uh, You've Got a Friend. They did a cover version of You've Got a Friend, as I recall. And... Then all of the instructors did a dance to be a light. And that was sort of about like giving hope uh, with a world going crazy and everything all conflicty and, and uh, people at odds in a world full of hate, be a light or a world full of darkness. I'm not sure exactly how the lyrics go. And then at the end, we all hold up these candles. And it was really nice. It was a nice moment. And I think we even had like a little dress code of... Um, white tops and black bottoms so imagine like guys in white colored shirts and black pants so we were like lit up from the waist up i thought that was a nice message like we've done silly shows in the past like i think the year before was how the grinch stole christmas Mm -hmm. so for this the theme was very appropriate to the times and there was also a segment of the show when that dance that you just mentioned, Don't Want to Be Sad, was performed in part uh, by the instructors as well as uh, representatives from the competition, the USLDCC competition that had been going on over the course of the weekend. So, you know, it, it showed some support from the staff for these folks who are, you know, in a few years going to be the staff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you have any thoughts, I, I would love to hear them on on uh, the show or the theme or any of that. All right. So moving on where you were um, on that Sunday morning. Go for it. All right. So that same 10 to 11 o'clock hour, Britt taught the dance Clever. From 11 to 12, Rachel's reteach of Keeping Me Alive while you taught Stunnin'. Jamie Marshall with Take Me Home. And then from 12 to 1, Jamie Marshall retaught Everybody Get Nuts. Rachel, which I was, of course, going to be in this lesson, taught Strobe Lights. Oh, my gosh, this had been in our, our, our list to learn for so, so, so long. 
And then from the one to two, Trevor retaught Cyber Remix. After that was Dancing the Floor Away. However, when we had booked our tickets, we weren't sure how much the Dancing the Floor Away was going to occur at that time, given social distancing and how that was going to all work. So we just figured we would get home a little bit earlier to prepare for our week. So there was that. Um... I was so grateful for Rachel for bringing strobe light back. One, it was so good to be in a live person class with her again because as many of you know, if you have heard any recording of the podcast that I have done in which I speak about Rachel, she is 100% one of the instructors and choreographers and just all around amazing human beings that... I am so grateful to have in our line dance family and she really sets such an example that I hope to at least follow suit and just be a good person the way she is and so of course I was going to be in that. Um, You surprised us with upgrading our tickets home in the luxury company of first class that was a very very nice treat so i thank you for that totally worth it for long flights i recommend it yeah it was it was quite nice it's the second or third time i've been blessed with sitting in first class the space the the be able to recline just all of it it is definitely nice on and so I like to look at it on anything over like four or five hours. Generally speaking, I have a hard time saying no to upgrading to first class. But all in all, I'm going to do a real quick recap and then I'll hand it back to you. I thought Jen Cameron did an outstanding job at putting together an event in which I felt safe enough to attend. I wore my mask the whole time because she provided me a safe area to do so. And I am so grateful for her that for her to, so that I could enjoy this event, I could be there and support her in hosting this event as well as just have an amazing time. It was so mentally necessary that I knew I needed it but I didn't realize just how desperately I needed this event so the fact that she still held it and she took all of these precautions like I am going to be eternally grateful for her for that um uh just a quick note I did take two COVID tests when I came home one immediately following which was five days after the first time I could have been exposed on Thursday And then an additional five days later after that on Friday, both came back negative. And again, like I cannot sing sing Jen's praises enough. So I will hand it back to you to get your final thoughts. I'm glad that you reminded me about the COVID test uh, because I also took one of those. It was one of the drive-through ones. And uh, yeah, there was a long line for them. I, I made an appointment and did it through my car window and then continued on my way and it came out negative. And at this point I am also now half vaccinated. Uh, the other half is coming soon. Uh, and that's just a, a nice little perk of uh, working at a senior community where they want to be sure that their residents are safe. So they want the staff to be safe and uh, they 
put me in the umbrella of that because I teach line dance at a senior community. Go figure. That's part of what I do. I also lately have been teach, uh, uh, not teaching, uh, working at Costco Wholesale. So, you know, come visit me in Roanoke Park. Um, as for the, the first class thing, uh, yes, there was also the safety aspect to consider there because not just um, comfort was, you know, what we were considering. We were also looking at keeping our distance from people. And it was easier to do that up in first class facing a wall than when we were squished next to people in the middle section of a plane on the way there. Uh, so when an opportunity arose, I think through my email where it had a big, big attractive button to push to upgrade. I'm like, yeah, I'll just do it. I'm working these days. Why not? Um, and then for the teaches, which are in front of me here on the screen, I learned foolish after he demoed it during the weekend. And it's a very straightforward, um, smooth feeling dance. I would recommend it for others to, uh, to pick up if you know they have a free few moments. Um, and some folks were there reviewing it because it was Sunday and that's when we were doing reviews. Some people were there learning it for the first time. And hopefully I, I made it as clear for them as Darren would have. Um, Go ahead. Because you filled in for him. Exactly. Yep. Uh, he had a flight to take, so I covered his class for that hour. Uh, immediately after that, I went over to teach Stunnin', which was uh, another dance based on a song that I found on TikTok, much like Began was. Um, Stunnin', I had been playing often around the house, and uh, eventually I had to come up with some kind of movement for it. And I'm still very happy with this dance. There are no tags or restarts. Even Began has like a little change of step and restart, but uh, Stunnin has none. And I, I would recommend that for people who just like fun dances. Cause I like it and maybe you'll like it too. Um, that's another one where I could see teaching that again at another event uh, in the future. This one also was an example of, simplicity being fine as far as the titling i didn't need a three name title for it this was the only dance to this track so i had no problem just calling it stunning because the song is called stunning and there wasn't going to be any kind of confusion um that was also in the main ballroom i'm kind of surprised by that uh but i guess they thought oh sure why not you know it looks like a fun track maybe people will like the dance i have no idea what the reasoning was behind it but i was happy to have room to move for that one uh, i also would like to thank jen for putting on this event because um, i think as rachel noted in one of her remarks during um, some time when she was on the mic somebody had to do it somebody had to be the first person to say hey events are not going away and are gone forever and dead and we just have to get over that and move forward and live on the internet um Jen decided there is a way to do this safely and she made that happen. So I, I thank her for that as well as for inviting me to teach and DJ there. And at some point, I think you had said something about linoleum like 40 minutes ago. And I'm remembering now that I just wanted to mention how nice it was to dance outside of my kitchen. We've been doing these virtual teaches, retro line, things like that. And to go from you being the only person who knows your own dance, dancing it in the kitchen in socks, to dancing it with nice fancy dance shoes in a main ballroom is 
just a huge expansion of the feeling of like what is possible. And since this event happened in December, I, I hope to carry that feeling, that expansion of what's possible into the coming year. Yeah, absolutely. To be on a floor again was just, I, I mean, you, if you're a dancer, you know. You know the difference of being on the floor. You know the difference of being on your carpet or your linoleum and or gravel or sidewalk or tennis court or whatever it is we have found because we are dancers and you just can't stop us. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we would like to thank you for tuning in yet again to uh, Line Dance Podcast, which you can find at linedancepodcast.com. You can also catch us live on linedancer-radio.com. And this has been Christopher Gonzalez with Megan Barcelia. Until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.